I want us to look, speaking of the church of Philippi, I think it would just be fitting for us to look into the letter of Philippians. And so that's our text this morning that we're going to dive into today. And while we're getting there, let me just introduce myself. I'm Pastor Luke. I'm the student pastor here. I'm so glad to be here with you this morning. If you're joining us online, welcome to the bridge. So glad to have you. We're going to be looking at Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 14. And we got some, man, we got so many incredible people in the house today. We also got our middle schoolers in, from the middle school service. Let me hear my middle schoolers. Where you at? Woo-woo! All right, there you are. We, our middle school ministry meets uh, every Sunday at 10 o'clock during this service in the student center, but they're with us today, so I'm excited to have them in the building. Philippians 1, chapter 1, verses 12 through 14. Let's look at it together. Now, I want you to know, this is Paul, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, so who's he talking to? He's talking to believers in Christ. He said, that what has happened to me, what has happened to me, what has happened to me, say those five word, words with me on three, one, two, three, what has happened to me. I want you to know that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel, Paul says. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Now, Paul is writing this letter to the Philippians nine to ten years after his encounter with Lydia, which tells us one thing. The church there is still going. That one yes that Lydia had to following after Christ started the church in Europe, and it's still existing nine to 10 years later. And so Paul is writing them, and they knew what Paul's mission was early on. They knew that Paul's mission was to preach to the Gentiles, to take the gospel to places, to people where it's never been heard before. But they've caught word that something has happened to Paul. And I believe it's caused them to worry a little bit because how is the mission that Paul has, that God has given him, how is it supposed to go forward now that Paul finds himself in prison? He's on house arrest. It's kind of hard to go when you're being forced to stay. And so Paul is in house arrest right now. He's been there. He was in there for about two years at this point. And so the Philippian church is wondering. They've sent gifts to him. They've sent people there to encourage him to encourage Paul because they're, they're just worried that how in the world is the, the, the mission that Paul has, how is it going to go forward now? Paul hit what I would like to call a setback. Paul hit a setback in his ministry in this moment right here. And this is what a setback is. Something that happens that delays or prevents a process from developing. It can be big, it can be small but we've all experienced them before. If you've ever gone to the store and you've bought something <laughs> only to bring it home and find out it's chipped or it's cracked or it's missing a part, then you have experienced a setback before. So what do you gotta do? I mean, and a lot of times it happens right when you're done just about. 
Right when you're getting ready to finish up the project, you bought the thing, you unboxed it, you looked at the instructions, you're putting it together, and then there's like one screw missing. Or there's like this little nick on the bottom of it, and you're like, oh my goodness, now I gotta pack it up, I gotta take it to the store. It's so cumbersome, right? That's a setback. And they happen to us big and small. And so I wanna go ahead and give you the title for today's message. Here it is. Steward your setback. Steward your setback. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, like Lydia, we pray that you would open up our hearts this morning to receive your word. God, I pray that you would open up the eyes of our heart that we might see wonderful things in your law. God, we love you and we thank you for this time together. It's in your name that we pray, amen. So as of this week, we're headed into the fourth quarter of 2021. It's kind of hard to believe that September has almost come and gone. Like at the end of this week, we will be approaching October. And I just can't believe it. Right, right now today, 97 days until 2022. And some of us are like, because <laughs> 2021 was a wild ride. But can I tell you what nobody's really thinking about today? Nobody is really thinking about their New Year's resolutions that they made in 2021. Why? Because you made them in January. February, you hit a setback. And then in March, you just said, oh, man, forget it. Like, I'm not going to do it. Right, I mean, like most of us probably don't even remember what goals we set at the beginning of the year. So, so now with 97 days left, it's kind of like, what's the point? I mean, 2021 is almost over. And like I said, some of us are probably thinking, thank goodness, because so many things have taken place in 2021. Earthquakes, fires, epidemics, deaths, attacks. And that's just an average Tuesday before nine o'clock in the morning nowadays. I mean, like that is the norm. We're so surrounded by so many different setbacks, so many different tragedies, so many different calamities. Then you have your own personal life. You got your own family challenges, your school challenges, your work challenges. And this is what it feels like sometimes. It feels like right when you take one step forward, you take five steps back. Does anybody, does that resonate with anybody? You take one step forward and then it feels like you take five steps back. Last time we were together, I shared about the fact that, that Lee and I bought our first home this summer. So excited. But I never shared about the process of that. We actually started the process in January. And we thought, man, at the latest, we'll close in March. So we set that date. And everybody was in agreement. We were on board and... Then March came around, and then boom, setback. Something that we didn't see coming, the seller didn't see coming. It's just one of those things that's out of your control. And so we said, okay, well, we'll do the end of March. Then the end of March came, setback. All right, well, we'll do the beginning of April. And we did, and then setback. And then we're like, okay, surely the end of April, we're gonna go ahead and tell our landlords that we're gonna be gone next month, but, but because we are closing on this house this month, setback. We said maybe early May, setback. Maybe late May. And it finally took place. And this is one of the things that I discovered through that process. Setbacks have a way of depleting hope. The more the process was delayed, the more we started to question, is this gonna happen? The more we started to question like, 
is this the right choice? I don't know. You could apply that to any setback that you face in your life. Setbacks have a way of depleting our hope. And Paul, in this moment, well, he's faced with a setback. He was told by God to spread the gospel, to take it to the Gentiles, to take it to, to the uttermost parts of the world, yet he's stuck in this one house for two years. And you're like, okay, man, well, it's house arrest. Surely that's not that big a deal. I mean, he could, he could accept guests, like guests could come over to his house. But I mean, come on, how bad could it have possibly been? We think that, and then we get quarantined for a week or two, and we're just standing by the calendar just like, flip, flip, come on, I'm ready to get out of here. Like, come on, come on, why, why is the calendar not flipping? Because it's only been three minutes. You're like, man, I'm, I'm ready to get out of this house. Like, you're stir crazy. Imagine Paul in this moment, here for two years, burning with a mission from God, and it's like he can't go forward. He's faced a setback. And you know, Paul is a person just like me and you. So I'm curious. I, I wonder if Paul ever felt some of the feelings that we feel when we hit a setback. I wonder if Paul was ever curious. God, did I mishear you? God, is this, is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? Was, was this my doing, Lord, or, or was this your doing? Because my circumstances as I look around, they, they don't really look like what I thought they would look like. Paul had gone to jail before. He'd been to jail. But he was only there till midnight. Because an earthquake took place, ended up opening the doors of the jail, breaking off the shackles of the prisoners. And Paul, after that moment, was released. He continued to share the gospel. He continued to be used by God. And if I was Paul, this was what I would be wondering. On house arrest, uh, hey God, when are you gonna do that earthquake thing again? <laughs> like, like, like I'm ready to go. Like I'm ready. I, I know that you've given me a purpose and a plan. And right now it kind of feels like it's all. If I was Paul, I'd be like, when are you going to do the earthquake thing again, God? Because I'm ready to go forward. God, when are you going to get me out of this situation so that I can continue to accomplish the person, that, the purpose that you have for me? And I would say it's right there where the issue lies for us when it comes to setbacks. When we hit setbacks in life, we automatically believe that God has been set back. Like he didn't see it coming. Like God just woke up that day, sat in his lazy boy, flipped on the news, started to see the setbacks in your life take place and said, oh my me. <laughs> like, wow, I did not sit, no, uh-uh. We act like he didn't know that you wouldn't get into the college of your choice. We act like he didn't know that you would fall right back into the sin that you said you would never fall back into. Like he didn't know it would take not just weeks, not just months, but maybe years to finally have that baby. It's like he didn't know that you would, you would lose your job. Like he didn't know a pandemic was on the way. Setbacks have a way of shaking our faith. And when we experience setbacks in our life, we are tempted to step back from God because we don't understand. 
But God, your word says to bring all kinds of requests to you. Your word says to come to you in these moments. And God, I'm not seeing anything happening, Lord. I don't, I don't feel you moving. I don't see you moving. Like, what's going on? We just don't understand. Or in the midst of our setbacks, sometimes we're ashamed. We're just like, I can't believe that I did that. It's going to take me so long to get back to where I was in my relationship with Jesus. Sometimes we're just disappointed. We believed in God for something. We just knew it was going to happen. And then it didn't happen like we thought it was going to happen. And all of a sudden, we're just like, God, are you even there? Sometimes in the midst of our setbacks, we feel hopeless. Like, is it even worth it anymore to believe? For some reason, when we hit our setbacks in life, our gut reaction is to step back from God. But actually, God, in those moments, his preference when you hit a setback is to step closer to him. Despite what your eyes may see and what your heart may feel, setbacks are a great place for development to take place. Setbacks, they often set the stage for God to do something miraculous. As we look back at Paul's story, there's some things I want us to pick up on. One of those is Paul's setback gave him an audience. Paul's setback gave him an audience. Read Acts 28.30 with me. Now this is paralleled with the time now that he's in prison. He says in Acts 28.30, Luke is recording this. It says, for two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house. He, he was on lockdown, man. He was in prison and he had to pay for it. Like, it's crazy. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house. Here's the key. And welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. See, Paul had a choice right here. He had a choice in the midst of his setback to say, well, I'll hit the pause button on God's purpose for my life. I'll hit the pause button on God's mission for my life because my circumstances don't look like the way that I thought they would. And so when everything pans out right, when God fixes this whole thing, then I'll hit the play button again. No, Paul said, listen, I don't care. I'm gonna spread the gospel, even if it's from my little living room right here, even if it's from my little prison cell right here. And it's so um, he didn't have the opportunity to go to people, but people were coming to him. And he he gained an audience that he would have never had had it not been for his imprisonment there. Because guess what? Because he's in prison, he has guards that are watching out for him, looking at his every move, making sure he's not trying to escape. And it wasn't unusual for those guards to change shift every four hours. And so guard after guard is coming in and listening to Paul as he's talking about Christ to other believers in Jesus they are watching Paul's daily habits of him praying. And you can't help but think that these guards must be just wondering, how is this man able to go forward? Doesn't he see the situation that he's in? But no, Paul's setback actually gave him an audience that I believe he wouldn't have had otherwise. It gave him a connection to people he wouldn't have otherwise had. And I think the, the same is true for us in our setbacks too. Whatever your setback may be, whatever trial you may be walking through right now, 
I know it probably seems difficult. I don't even want to imagine what it might be like. But can I tell you that it's giving you an audience that you would not have had otherwise. I think about, this is a small one, but I was cutting my grass last summer and it was like six o'clock. You know, I was just trying to wait for the temperature to go down a little bit. I was just gonna go out there and knock it out, have a little bit of me time there on the lawnmower, just cutting, man. And so <laughs> I get on the lawnmower and I'm riding. I go around one time and the lawnmower breaks down and I'm like, no way. Nothing I can do to fix it in that moment. And so I'm determined. Like, I have a purpose. I have a mission to cut this yard because it's growing. So I just said, you know what? I'm just going to get the push mower out. And I started pushing that thing and pushing that thing and pushing that thing. And it was like 9 o'clock. I mean, it is pitch black outside. And I just got the front yard left. You want to talk about a setback? I'm like, man, this is not what I intended, right? All of a sudden, this light shines. And it's my neighbor. His truck is facing my yard where I'm cutting grass. And every time I go this way, he has the lights going. And every time I face him, he cuts them off. And I've never met this guy before. Anyways, I get done and I get over to his truck and we spark up a conversation. I was like, hey man, thank you so much for helping me out. Anyways, we ended up talking about Jesus. When we ended up that time praying. And as I sat in bed that night, I was like, Lord, you know, that, that didn't go how I thought it would, but Lord, you opened up that door for me to be able to meet my neighbor. I hadn't met him yet. And God, now I have this relationship with him. Now we have this prayer relationship and it all happened because of that setback, God. So forgive me for getting frustrated in that moment, not realizing that there was something that you were doing in the background. And still to this day, we do more praying than we do cutting grass and so I'm telling you, it gives you an audience you wouldn't otherwise have. And then Paul's setback, well, it was a setup for God's glory. Paul's setback was a setup for God's glory. Philippians 1, 12 through 13, it says, And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me has helped to spread the good news for everyone here including the whole palace guard, knows that I'm in chains because of Christ. Hear me, church. The things that set us back, the things that happen to us will either enslave us or they'll serve us. Our setbacks will master us if we let them. They'll consume our thoughts. They'll consume our energy. What was so encouraging about Paul? Despite his chains... He continued to point to Christ. His chains became an opportunity to share Christ with others. This is what's so cool to me. The very thing that was designed to hold him back actually set the gospel forward where he was at. C.S. Lewis, Christian writer, author says this quote, pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our consciences, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Perhaps nothing proclaims the message of Christ more boldly than when a person during their pain continues to cling to God. And I think that's what makes the cross so powerful. 
the fact that this man, Jesus, came to this earth, God in human flesh, who did nothing wrong, allowed himself to be hung on a cross, just like we sang about today, allowed his blood to be shed for us. And it was his pain, God's word says, that brought us healing. It was actually our setback that put him there. But that setback became a stage, became a platform for God's glory. And then finally, when we look at Paul's story, we realize that Paul's setback actually set others free. Philippians 1.14, he says, And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. See, Paul wasn't the only one in chains. Paul wasn't the only one in prison. But the believers in Christ that were coming in and out of his house, while they were free to come and go as they pleased, while they didn't technically have chains on their wrist, they were imprisoned by their fear. See, they couldn't manage to necessarily share the gospel because they were kind of afraid that what happened to Paul might happen to them. But the moment that they see Paul in his chains continuing to share the gospel is the moment that they are infused with boldness. They see his chains and his willingness to continue to move forward with the purpose and the mission of God that it encourages them. And we see because of Paul's chains, it gives them boldness to share the gospel. Paul's setback resulted in setting others' faith forward. Paul's an example that development can still take place in the midst of setbacks, that growth can still take place in the midst of setbacks. Progress can still happen during setbacks. And just like money, just like time, just like gifts and abilities, setbacks are meant to be stewarded. I want to give you the definition of biblical stewardship. Utilizing and managing all resources that God provides for the glory of God and the betterment of his creation. Now, not, what I'm not saying is this morning that every setback in your life happens because God made it happen. I'm not saying that, but what I am saying is that he's fully aware of it. And as we've heard Pastor Jim say many times, there's nothing that takes place in our life that doesn't first go across God's desk. My point is that this setback that Paul had, he stewarded it. He used it as a tool to bring others to Christ. And so my one simple question for you this morning is, what was supposed to take you out? What's been your setback in your life? Because it's time for all of us, me included, to be a good steward, leaving our setbacks. So how do you do that? How do you steward your setback? I think the first thing you gotta do is don't just ask why, ask how. See, when we hit setbacks in our life, our first reaction, why God, why me? 
Why is this happening? God, I've been faithful. God, I have served you all of my life. Why is this happening to me? And I'm not saying that's a bad question, but I do wanna just let you know, you might not ever get an answer to that question. So I think there's a better question to ask instead of why, how. God, what has happened to me has happened. And as much as I hate it, God, there's nothing I can do about it. But God, I gotta go forward. So how, Lord, can I use this for your glory? How, God, can I steward this setback that I'm in right now? How can I use it for you? In hopes that maybe just one person comes to know you, Father. How, not just why, but how. Philippians 1, 23 and 26, Paul says this. Same chapter we've been reading in, just a little bit later, he says, to the Philippian church. He says, you know, I'm torn between two desires. I've been, quite, I've been through quite a few setbacks in my life. He says, I long to be with Christ at this point, which would be far better for me. But, but for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. Knowing this, I'm convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. And when I come to you again, you will have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because what he is doing through me. He asked how, God, how can I use this? Paul admitted, listen, I'd rather be with Jesus, but I know if I stay right here, I can help you to grow in your faith. I can use all of the setbacks in my life to help you grow and help you walk through the setbacks in your life. He said, so if it's God's will for me to stay, amen, I'm willing to do that. Second way that we steward our setbacks is to not keep them private. Don't keep your setbacks private. Now I'm not saying put it on Facebook. <laughs> Don't everybody need to know, you know, some things. What I am saying though, is when we look at this scripture here in Philippians 1 chapter 1 verse 19, I want you to Look at this with me. Paul says, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Notice two things that Paul depended on to sustain him, to help him going forward. He said, your prayers, church in Philippi, and the Holy Spirit are the things that have sustained me through this time, is the thing that helps me to keep going. We need each other. If you really want to steward your setback, don't be quiet about it, but share it with others so that they can join you in prayer. So you can, so you can enjoy that same sustaining support that Paul has experienced in his time of imprisonment. One of the best ways I know to do that around here is to join a bridge group. That's really what bridge groups are all about as we help each other navigate through this journey of following Jesus Christ. And if you haven't done that yet, can I just plead with you? Can I just urge you to do that? Sign-ups are still open right now for you to do that. You can do that right after service, but it's in the middle of biblical community that God will bring healing to our hearts. Paul says, it's because of your prayers that I've been sustained and it's because of the Holy Spirit that has empowered me, the very 
spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me and that's what's been sustaining me. So don't keep your setbacks private. And then finally, stand firm. I know when you hit setbacks, you feel like that God's plan for your life, God's purpose for your life has been thwarted. Maybe it ceased to exist. Maybe God gave up on you. Can I tell you something? God hasn't given up on you. And just because something has taken place in your life that you haven't expected, that you just did not see being dealt your way, can I tell you that does not mean that God's plan for your life has been thwarted, that he's been thrown off guard, but he knows about it, and he's with you in that setback. Philippians 1.6 says this, same chapter, we're in the same spot, the same letter. Paul tells them at the beginning of his letter, he said, I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. The only way that you'll be able to stand firm is not in your own power because you can't, I can't. The only way that you can stand firm is through the power of the Holy Spirit and from the support of others. But let me tell you something, when you do stand firm, when you do continue to trust God in the midst of your setbacks, lives will be changed. Lives will be changed. Because people will see you and they will see Christ. When you start to steward your setbacks, your setback actually becomes a slingshot for your faith. See, the way that a slingshot works, it's got these elastic bands right here. And energy is stored in these bands. The energy stored in these bands is called potential energy. And so when you stretch these things back, the farther this thing is stretched, the more power that is stored in there, the more potential energy within these bands. Now I'm gonna go ahead and tell you, I couldn't do this all day. Mar, I'm shaking right now. Like this hurts, this does not feel good. But the way it works is when you release this thing, that potential energy, gets transformed into kinetic energy. And can I tell you what kinetic energy does? It creates motion. So I'm telling you that the moment that you start to steward your setbacks is the moment that your setbacks become a slingshot for your faith and the people's faith around you. It's the moment that your faith is put in motion. And man, there's no telling what God can do through you when you decide to take your setbacks in life and give them, put them in the place where they are supposed to be at the feet of Jesus Christ and you allow him to utilize them for his glory. And so that's my prayer today. My prayer is as we go out of this building today, as we turn down our computers when church is over is that God would help us to wrestle with the setbacks that we faced in our life and that we would drop them at his feet and we would pray earnestly, God, use it for your glory. It's why I'm here. I'm a vessel for you. God, I'm yours. I don't know why it's happened, but God, now I'm starting to ask how. How can I use this? to propel my faith and the faith of others. Would you pray with me this morning? God, we pause in your presence. And we say thank you, Lord, for never giving up on us. 
God, we say thank you for never leaving us. God, even in the moments of our life where we feel distant, God, that's just emotions. The truth of the matter is you are right there. And I pray, Father, that you would help our mind and heart to catch up with the word of your truth. Lord, I pray that if there's somebody in this building today that has never surrendered their heart to you, I pray that they would do it. God, your word says if we just confess that Jesus is Lord and believe that you have raised Jesus from the dead, we will be saved. And so that's my prayer. God, if there's somebody in the building today that's not made that decision, if there's somebody online today that's not made that decision, God, I pray that they would not let one more second go before they do. That's my prayer. God, bring the growth that only you can bring. Lord, this morning we've planted and we've watered. We pray that you bring the growth. And Lord, I pray for those in the room who are face-to-face with setbacks. For those in the room, God, that feel isolated. For those in the room who have been asking, why, God, why? I pray, God, that right now in this moment, you would bring them comfort. And I pray, God, that your presence would be made felt to them like never before. God, we love you. And we thank you, Jesus, for being willing to step in the gap for us because of our setback, because of our sin, because of our disobedience. And we finally say thank you for the new life that you've given to us. Let us go forward in that new life. In Jesus' name, amen.